Hey there, welcome to the Creative Metaverse Podcast, formerly known as the Game Artist Podcast. My name is Ryan Kingsline, and I'm the CEO of Vertex School, where we train creatives for the career of their lives. In this podcast, we interview amazing creatives and artists working in film, games, and building the metaverse right now. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. All right. Welcome, Amir Hossein and uh, Erfan. Am I saying that right? Uh, yep, Amir Hossein Erfani. Yeah, that's right. Erfani, great. So um, glad to have you here. Um, why don't we start? Because um, it says here. Uh, let's game... start. Let's start with uh, uh, that. It's a pleasure to be here, and yeah, it's it's a, it's an honor for me to have this conversation with you. It's awesome. I yeah, appreciate let's that. Start Thank you. Okay, so um, I want to start with this uh, right off the bat, daytime game producer, and um, and start talking about what you do in that side of it, and uh, and then there's some international community that I want to start to have a conversation about, but why don't you tell us a little bit about right. your job? Uh, okay, so uh, yeah, I used to be a digital artist, so I started my uh, career as a uh, 3D artist, mostly focused on um, uh, hard surface modeling and just um, yeah and, and my subject of interest was always uh, automotive basically super sport cars uh, but in the like in the middle of that uh, career I felt that maybe uh, I'm not that type of a person who uh, sits and just uh, deals with vertices and polygons all day mm. uh, so I yeah because uh, I was mostly a community person I should yeah. say, like I, I had this uh, digital art community back in Iran for 10 years and uh, it kind of led me to um, find this other side of uh, production in, in inter uh, entertainment industry. Like um, maybe I can be a producer. So uh, I'm right now I'm working as a game producer in a small indie game company in Amsterdam. And the thing is, uh, I do speak the language of game artists and I do speak the language of uh, game designers and I kind of understand what technicals uh, basically programmers are doing. So uh, that might be the thing that I'm mostly interested in. So yeah, that's my day job. I'm right now a producer and I produce games, I suppose. <laughs> mm -hmm. What was that realization like? I mean, it sounds like there was a realization. And uh, and this is an interesting one. I'm, I'm in a similar boat where it's like a, I do art, but then I do other things, and then there's a whole business side to everything else that I do, and there's a lot of it. Um, but was there a moment where you were like, you know, the art side of it's not enough for me, and the community side is also this other thing that maybe I'm more interested in? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So basically that started uh, – no, I, I didn't plan for that. I absolutely did not plan for any of these yeah. uh, because I'm – still doubtful about what I'm doing. I'm still doubtful about what I used to do. So I, I think that's something that uh, is like a common sense for artists in general. Uh, but in my case, I uh, realized at some point that what if I allocate all of my skills and all of my time uh, on just doing 3D arts versus allocating some of it to be able to uh, make a difference in the digital art community, uh, specifically speaking back in Iran. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that kind of led me to uh, think of ways like, uh, I don't know, I approached it with a website. I started gathering all the people who do the same thing that I do, like, I don't know, 2D arts, 3D arts. And that thing, uh, like they say, the snowball effect, that led to a big community in Iran, like, I don't know, two, 300 digital artists. And then I felt like I'm, at my elements right now. Like I used mm -hmm. to organize digital art events with uh, big guys in the industry, artists from Blizzard, Naughty Dog, Ubisoft, you name it. Yeah. And so, yeah, that was the thing that made me uh, very fascinated about working with people and their art. So yeah, I <laughs> planned none of it, I should say. Mm -hmm. And something uh, life-changing that happened to me two years ago uh, was that I relocated to uh, the Netherlands. And because I had this history of working in, uh, generally speaking, entertainment industry in Iran, mm -hmm. uh, I still wanted to be able to stick around the video game community in Netherlands. Yeah. So I tried to discover what is up, and I saw that there's a, 
a relatively nice ecosystem uh, in video games here in the Netherlands. So you have this big uh, game studio called uh, Guerrilla Games. I think you know it by Horizon Zero Dawn. Mm-hmm. And of course, Killzone. <laughs> but uh, there were so many indie teams that uh, just wanted to make good games for, uh, I don't know, PC, Nintendo Switch, or ideally consoles like PS4 and Xbox. Yeah. So I uh, was looking for a job as desperate as I was because uh, you can imagine how relocation uh, or immigration works. Totally. Uh, yeah, so I found a job position uh, in a site, in a website called GameJobs.eu, and they were looking for a game producer to uh, found a, an indie game team from scratch. So there were no team. My first job was to recruit uh, all the people I wanted to have in the team. Mm-hmm. So basically, as a game producer, I started by uh, recruitment. And then I uh, sat with my team um, and we just went through all their capabilities and our, all their uh, understandings of uh, like how the scope uh, how, uh, I don't know, everything about video game development, like prototyping, production, marketing, how it works, mm. and what exactly we want to make, which uh, I can get into details uh, if you want later. But yeah, that's basically what I do at the moment. We are uh, making uh, good games, <laughs> I suppose. What, what do people misunderstand about game development? Because I find that there's definitely elements of a black box. Um, and a lot of times... When people are learning this and they're developing their skill, they're you know they're in a they're in a, they have a narrow focus. Um, but then you go in and you're part of a team. Now there's a lot more stuff going on. So what is it that people usually just don't get in the beginning about game development? Uh, you mean from a point of view of a game artist or in general? Well, I mean, let's say game artists first. People who want to do this mm-hmm. for a living, but then once they get in, you know, there's got to be some misunderstandings of, you know, what they're supposed oh, to be. Uh, yeah, actually, Ryan, I have a good one for this. Because, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I had this, um, I wrote this article uh, on Gama Sutra about mm-hmm. uh, basically how I see a game artist based on uh, my experience and the studios I've worked with. Yeah. And uh, I observed this fact that some of the artists, and I'm, I'm, I'm definitely not saying the major uh, part of the artists, but some of the artists who are obsessed with video games in general, mm-hmm. that, uh, yeah, they're, they're like a big chunk of uh, all the digital artists out there, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, they kind of, mm, I mean, the concept of a game artist is mistaken for them uh, in replacement for a digital artist. Yes, okay. Because in that. my opinion, yeah, in my opinion, a digital artist is someone who makes art digitally, but a game artist is someone who should be able to, I don't know, art, uh, do the art direction for a pixel art game. So all of those skills in anatomy, I don't know, texturing and substance designer, they are cool. But if you don't get to work on a big project in a AAA studio and you end up with a small indie team, Mm-hmm. you still are uh, recognized as a, a game artist. So you should be able to say what makes a good visual and not just be able to do all the uh, awesome texturing. I get that. Um, so, I mean, I think that's an important thing, especially as the tech gets so complex that the amount of time it takes to develop any level of mastery can become, you know, a bit intense. Like I was, um, we're building this tech Correct. artist. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're building this tech artist boot camp, and I'm asking everybody about Houdini and jobs and trying to get a sense of what people uh, might expect out of it. And, you know, one of the things we're hearing is, is that there's a lot of junior Houdini artists, but that junior Houdini artist, like, there's only so many positions for that. There's more positions for people who have higher level of mastery. And um, and that stuff takes time, right? Yeah, exactly. And things are changing fast because uh, so digital fast. art is, uh, yeah, it's just combined with technology. And, and whatever, I mean, wherever technology is involved, you'll have a rapid uh, changing pace. Like uh, I was talking to a friend of mine who works at uh, Veta Workshop, mm-hmm. uh, and he was mentioning that as a 3D artist, 
you need to start know how to code. And it's very important because there are lots of yeah. procedural modeling uh, approaches uh, out there and you should be able to, uh, I mean, at least address it if you can do it. But you should start le learning Python and any other language that could be helpful. And this is something new. We didn't have that back in, I don't know, 90s or, or 2000. Yeah, I mean, I remember learning scripting and mail scripting and I remember being drawn to that, but I was, I was the outlier. Most of the people were not drawn to that level of depth. Yeah, exactly. I mean, balance is very important. So that's the main thing I see that some artists uh, have no idea about. Like, they think I should be the best, I don't know, rendering artist out there. But what they don't realize is that uh, rendering might be outdated due to all the new real-time technologies. Like, I used to render a lot of cars, and you don't need that these days. Mm. All you need is just a just a perfect machine, and uh, I don't know. You have real time rendering in V-Ray, I suppose. So there you go. <laughs> you have real time. Yeah. So, what makes a good visual? Uh, this is a question for two D. Uh, it's it's not a question for three D. I guess. I mean, from what I've observed, mostly from two D art. Because uh, I was privileged enough to uh, do all these great arts, uh, art pieces of the 2D artists that uh, were in the community. Mm -hmm. uh, I used to lead. So what I get from a good image is that the fundamentals should be right. Like composition, negative, positive space, uh, the colors, shape language, uh, anything that this, this fundamental in 2D should be working. If it's not working, you cannot make it work by... I don't know, a very high detailed texture. Because right. if the minimal colors are not good in your visuals, then you cannot just texture the hell out of it just to yeah, basically make it look good. So how do I develop those skills? Um, what's your recommendation for somebody as they go through this? Because again, the tech, I mean, if I'm having to learn Python and I'm being judged on my visual and the skill set's changing so fast, um, What's your recommendation for people in terms of managing all of that? Mm -hmm. uh, so it, it's a personal opinion, of course, but uh, most of the 3D artists uh, that see this as, a, as an important thing to pursue, like doing 2D, uh, one of the biggest mistakes is that they think they need to be also a concept artist, which is not true. In order to understand those fundamentals, you don't need to be able to be a very, like, famous digital painter mm -hmm. uh, who does 3D at the same time. What you need to do is to realize that what we're talking about here is a knowledge and it's not a practice. And how do you gain that knowledge? Basically by studying what makes a very minimal video game like, I don't know, the Monument Valley or uh, Limbo, Inside, those type of games. What are the things that make those games good? And if you get that, you can apply that to whatever the technique you're using. I love that. Oh my God, I think you just totally changed my perspective on a couple of problems <laughs> that I'm trying to solve. So that's fascinating um, because what you just said to me was you need to have knowledge in something but not necessarily the capacity to do it. Um, but then there exactly. are things that you must have a capacity in. So... <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. What I'm trying to separate here is uh, knowledge from uh, technique, because most people think that, like, uh, I love playing music, but yeah. I don't have time to go learn all the lessons of guitar and music theory and stuff. Right. So I try to learn that part of music that doesn't need that much of time, but that can give me a little bit of uh, uh, skills to play like a very simple song that I want to hear and just enjoy it for myself. I think that's the approach that you should uh, take for 2D art if you're a 2D artist. Okay, I got it. Not to mention, I mean, if you play guitar, you actually have to build the callus up on your fingers. Exactly. You know, there's a lot that you have to do in terms of putting the mileage in to get the capacity. But exactly. Those things that you're saying are the reason that I didn't pursue guitar because I have no idea what they are. <laughs> yeah. And, but as you, you can still grab a keyboard and play with some music theory. Yes, that's correct. 
or Reason or download. Um, my kids and I would download, I, f- I forgot what the app is, and it puts the beat in the back, and then they just go ahead and bounce a few knobs around, mm-hmm. and next thing you know, we've got techno. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and another reason to yeah. back this up, the thing that I just said, uh, there's this good friend of mine who works uh, at Naughty Dog, and uh, he's, he's a texture artist. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to believe what I'm going to say. So he said that he, he worked both in the Last of Us project and in the Uncharted projects. Mm-hmm. He said that I haven't played a single minute of any of these games that I've uh, been a part of. And so uh, that blew my mind because mm-hmm. I was like, you're a game artist. And if you get to work on a project like Last of Us, I mean, give me one reason why on earth shouldn't have you played it. So he told me that I'm a 3D artist. I'm a texture artist. I'm good at texturing. But uh, in order to be a good game artist, I need to study video game art and not necessarily play them. And why I don't play The Last of Us? Because there's too much violence, as simple as that. Mm-hmm. And that kind of changed my um, opinion about, like, yeah, you can be a game artist, but all you need to study from game art, you can just watch, I don't know, walkthroughs on YouTube because there are millions out there. And that could do the job. I love that. But you need to have in-depth practice, mileage, capacity in something, in X. That's what you're going to make your money from. But you're going to distinguish yourself from everybody else by the things that you're knowledgeable of. Is that an accurate way to summarize that? Precisely, yeah. You need to know your thing, and then you need to be able to discover what is happening all around you. So talk to me. I hear a lot about film and game and how real time is taking over film or it's 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 surpassing V-Ray or at least matching V-Ray, I guess, you know, it'd be hard to surpass V-Ray, but I mean, at least mm-hmm. just matching V-Ray and being real time would be a form of surpassing it. Um so talk to me about uh you know, in terms of some of the stuff that you're dealing with where do you see this real-time and the game tech um, evolving? Does that question make sense? Uh, of course, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking how to phrase my answer. Because, uh, yeah, technology is taking over, and it's serious. Like, big studios like Veta, ILM, all of them have very big uh, VR labs, and they are trying to develop the next medium, which, uh, in my opinion, would be the ultimate one, because if you're stuck in a virtual reality, there won't be any reason for you to get out. I mean, that's that's my theory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyways, what they are building, what they are working on is an immersive experience that you uh, can not only immerse yourself in, but also can interact with. And that is the next big thing. I mean, the, the hardware is not there yet, but uh, what is making sense to me is that everybody's working on something that their skills from five years ago are starting to look irrelevant. Isn't that crazy? It is crazy. Like I, I had a lot of friends who were good at 3D, but since, I mean, lots of companies are outsourcing 3D jobs. Yeah. Because the it's basically production work and it's going to be cheaper if you do it within our country, whatever that is. So as a 3D artist, you either specialize or you die in this ocean of uh, people who do the same thing. Uh-huh. I learned, uh, I did a deep dive in CG f- 12 years ago. It been 12 to 15 years ago. I was 28. Um, oh my God, that's like almost 18 years ago, I think. Uh, <laughs> so the uh, I did a deep dive. Let's say it finished about 15 years ago. 12 years ago and um and those skills like what i learned still very relevant still very useful in terms of me understanding scripting and and code you know a couple of other things in terms of maya's hypergraph yeah. and things like that um but outside of a couple of instances completely irrelevant for what exists today and um exactly you know we talk a lot in the boot camp about the half-life of skills and the half-life of skills now, they say, is five years. You know, my dad's a plumber. He learned plumbing. He, he'll he make his living off plumbing for the rest of his life. Like that, that skill doesn't diminish per se. 
is building regulations that don't change the way plumbing operates too terribly often in our culture. Um, but the skills that we learn, it's not, I don't think the half-life is five years because that means the skills relevant for 10. I'd say the half-life is closer to two years. Do you agree? Yeah. Yeah, of course. And what is more scary in my opinion is that that's not happening only to uh, entertainment jobs. It's happening to all the jobs in the world. Like, yeah. I don't know, maybe in five, 10 years, a driver would be irrelevant because uh, and the algorithm doesn't need to be necessarily better than the, the best human driver. It just needs to be better than the human, better than basically average human driver. So it's right. scary. It's very scary. It's, it's changing. Yeah. But yeah, yeah let, me, let me add that, uh, Ryan, because what I'm saying, uh, I mean, I'm just observing how game art is evolving. I'm not a game artist myself. Let's not forget that. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm not, I'm not a specialized uh, 3D artist who works in a big triple studio. Uh, I just have ideas that these things are happening based on my observations. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're a game producer. Yes. and This is your world. Yeah, you're, I'll you, explain. You are organizing mm-hmm. people and projects and, and all that. Exactly. So... I, um, but yeah, as you can see, and as you're, as you're showing, uh, I've done some, uh, uh, basically automotive illustrations that, uh, yeah, we can get into some details of those if you like. Well, no, I was just sitting there trying to think of, there was, there was something that popped in my head because mm-hmm. I think a lot of the times, um, we look at our value in terms of what we can produce and I deal with this as an entrepreneur the most successful entrepreneurs aren't the people who know, you know, are the best or the experts in a room. Being an yeah. expert in the room actually p- largely precludes you from being an entrepreneur. And because it's a totally different set of skills. I mean, running, I'm an expert in ZBrush. I'm an expert in a lot of different things. Um, but in business, I have to, I have to pull myself out of the equation and I have to start to think about this in terms of building resources and I think about the, the entity itself, you know, it's not about what I'm good at. And as That's I go, totally another science by itself. What's that? Oh yeah. Uh, that, yeah. And you've got a similar thing where it's your game producer. So it's not about you being a game artist. I get that. But at the same time, you, it is about you developing and understanding that world and understanding that capacity. And, and I wanted to kind of drill down on this because Every one of my students right now is going to be in a position five years, two years, 10 years, where the skill set that they have isn't going to cut it. What do they do? Mm-hmm. Um, my ideas about the subject, uh, I mean, I think based on what I'm observing, uh, soft skills are becoming kind of more important than uh, like hard skills in a, that- in a day. Is that just not being a jerk, or is there more to that? Uh, no, no. I think uh, something that has to do with uh, technology and how tools are uh, becoming so powerful that uh, humans in general either should be super creative or original, or they should go data-driven. Like, uh, if you want want your game to sell, you need to... I mean, everything is about big data right now. You need to be able to tailor it for an audience and know exactly how much revenue you're going, you're going to make. So if you want to escape that, and if you want to be original, um, you need to develop some skills other than your uh, awesome modeling or texturing skills. And mm-hmm. those skills, one of, one of the most important one is the ability to uh, see the bigger picture which is okay. where the whole world is going, what is happening, like, I don't know, what is what is ILM doing, what is Weta doing, what is uh, these real-time studios doing, and if I try to have those uh, inside my radar and just try to uh, pursue what is happening in the world, I'll be able to apply that uh, rate of change uh, to my work as well. Okay. So... I'm facing a world where my skills aren't be aren't as useful, um, and I can't rely on being 
the best uh, Maya material developer, <laughs> which, because substance mm -hmm. has completely made me irrelevant. Um, my pathway to to um, to help is see the bigger picture. I mean, that's a that's a good start. And then what other soft skills, what other things should I be thinking about or should I be developing? Um, definitely communication is one of them. Yeah. Because you Being need to somebody be able who to... can really pull together people and organize and things like that? Yes, but not only that. Communication with people is the first part. Communication okay. with the machine is the second part, which is uh, arguably more important. And that means you need to know how to talk to a computer, which would be the skill of programming. And it doesn't need to be hardcore. You just need to know how to speak to a computer. And that is also a very important communication skill, in my opinion. Is it necessary? Um, because now, like when I started, sure, understanding the shell, getting in, working with the shell, C prompts, um, and then inside of Maya, just being able to create... Um, uh, ooh, I forget what it is, but little scripts that'll just batch things out for you. Um, but now as we expand this universe, uh, I find that a lot of this is is expanding to cloud, the cloud. So GitHub, is that something yeah. that um, is relevant in this conversation as well? Exactly. Like the skill to know how to use GitHub is a skill that an, an artist was not expected to know, uh, I guess, many years ago, but now it's necessary. And if the artist or, or anyone is uh, not able to catch up, then that's going to be a problem. Yeah, that's great. I'm so glad you said that because um, we're actually building GitHub into the curriculum now because they allow large file uploads. There's a whole bunch of stuff and it's, it's mm -hmm. a great way to share stuff. Um, on top of that, is it useful for people um, to work with project management systems like Shotgun or things like that. I mean, and what I'm asking, I should rephrase this. I understand it'd be useful, but is it like move the needle useful? Like that person will get a job because they know these things or... Uh, no, not really. Things like uh, knowing how to use uh, tools like, I don't know, Jira, even Trello, because uh, not everyone knows how to properly work with Trello. Uh, those skills come with the work experience. You don't need to be prepared for them, in my opinion. But you need to know how to use GitHub. That is a big deal. Okay. Because that's not straightforward. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I had my time with it. <laughs> Trello. Yeah, tell you what. We, yeah, tell you what. We have this um, platform called Discord. Maybe you've checked it out already. Yeah, yeah we've got a so Discord. It's a mixture of yeah, it's, it's a mixture of Slack and uh, Skype, so it, it has it has all these features. And uh, I realized that a video game community is now happening in, in Discord. And I had no idea what, what Discord is, so I had to like go read about it. It took me a day, but after that idea, it was okay. So yeah, it, yeah. there's something new uh, every day, and we should be just prepared for learn uh, how to use it. All right, I'm going to ask you a question. Um... I don't know how to phrase this in a, I just phrase it and you know, All right. how do we deal with ignorance? Because I have a feeling that this is going to be something we have to face and we have to deal with differently. Cause when I was um, learning, if you didn't know something and you were ignorant of something, that was a problem because they relied on you to be the expert. But I don't know how this community is going to work if they're continuing to, to make ignorance problematic and then expect everything to shift every two years. So how do we deal with the ignorance with the moment where it's like, I don't know discord. I, cause you know, I had the same thing. I had to go and I had to learn discord and I'm even with now I go in and I go to discord and I'm like, man, this is like not natural to me. But then yeah. I have students that are like, Oh yeah, let me set up a server. Let me do this. Let me do that. And I'm like, thank God for you. Mm -hmm. Um, I see. So I see, I see two possibilities for a person who, uh, as a kind of a resistance to catch up with what is new. Mm -hmm. uh, the first possibility, which is scary, is that uh, he or she is forced to learn it, which is a bit hard because if you uh, enter a company that everybody's using GitHub, you have to learn GitHub, and that's going right. to be a bit stressful. Right. Or my uh, other solution, my other possibility would be uh, this advice that whatever you're doing as an artist, it is 
vital for you to uh, be a part of a art community. Because mm-hmm. when you see people, and that is happening really good, like you have Nomon workshops, uh, you have uh, you have this awesome podcast. Because podcast is a very important medium these days. Mm-hmm. You have uh, Trojan Horse, you have master classes, you have all these amazing communities that people gather together. And if you connect yourself, if you plug yourself in that community, you are automatically updated. That makes sense. Yeah. But, but I'm going to throw a wrinkle in that. Because, mm-hmm. and I, this is, speaks to the dichotomy. There's dichotomies as an artist. You know, you have to share your work, but we usually create work alone and all by ourselves, right? So we have to be social, yeah. but at the same time, we have to be alone. And so we need to be in a community, but at the same time, there's over community kind of work where we're just, we live for the community. We live for the shares. We're looking at the likes. We're looking at, you know, and did they, did people mm-hmm. respond, you know? And so one of the things I recommend for my students is, is you, you have to protect your work. You're, you're the only one that's going to do that. So if you're out there putting it out and saying, now, oh, how many likes do I get? Well, you know, you're, you're really treating your work quite poorly. You know, that's true. Um, yeah. And so, yes, we've got to connect with community, but at the same time, we also have to pull back from community. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course. Uh, especially that most of the artists that I've met in my life, they like to just do art. Like yeah. they're not necessarily introverts, but they just want to immerse in their work and I'm not saying that they're not a, a fan of social events, but I'm saying that uh, it takes a bit of energy for them to uh, participate in events like that. So mm-hmm. I think um, there's a moment of realization in uh, any artist's life that they become that guy who knows what is up, like is humble with his work and he knows what he's missing in the world, what, what are the things that he should learn. And I guess that's the moment that happens organically and uh, you cannot just uh, say magic words and, and, and then that happens. Yeah. I guess all of us had it. I mean, I, I, when I was a kid, I used to do all these treaty works and yeah, there was this big cloud of ignorance and I, I had no idea what everyone else is doing. I had no idea what is my position in a, in a digital art community. So yeah, I passed that moment and I was like, okay, I'm good at this, so I'm doing this. And if I'm good at that, I'm doing that as well. But I know exactly my level. And you built a community before. Yes. In Iran. Mm-hmm. And meaning um, everything's online and it's outside of the hub of, you know, most game development. Like most game development's pretty much west coast or um or then there's the eu uh mm-hmm. what did you learn about game game artists really um building this community you know and and having this group of people that have this love for this thing but aren't located you know co-located in its quote-unquote power centers um you must have learned something really i think uh, powerful about about our love for this art mm-hmm um, so I think it really depends on uh, the community leader's vision. Mm-hmm. Like if you have, if your vision as a community, because all of these communities always start with one single person. Uh, like for Nomon, we have Alex Alvarez. For uh, I don't know, Schoolism, we have Bobby Chiu. So those are very well-known artists. But uh, the initiation of the community uh, develops all the genes. Uh, for the community's DNA. If that's well-designed, like if you have a community that you genuinely inspire people to do good art, then that's going to that's gonna be a very good move and everybody's just going to be a part of it. But if a community is just about making money or heavy monetization methods, then it's just not going to work in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But the bad thing about those, um, I call them independent communities, is that they tend to die after... Uh, a young age like mm-hmm. my community died after 10 years uh, I used to remember we had game artisans it died because they fall 
uh, in a stage of management called the founder trap. Uh, basically what uh, Apple experienced with Steve Jobs. So there's this big um, contradiction between the founder's vision and what the community actually needs and how it evolves. Uh, so based on my experience, you can, um, yeah, you can do whatever you think that's good at that moment that would help artists. This is very important. If you can be able to help them by any means, like, I don't know, this awesome podcast of yours is going to uh, trigger something in the art, uh, in the art community that um, is going to change views. I think spreading the word is as important as uh, just doing the job of uh, making uh, the work in the community. Mm. That's awesome that you bring up game artisans. And um, and I love that. Yeah, I, I love this, that mention of the founder's trap. Um, I have experienced that myself. And um, mm -hmm. being the founder, trapping the vision. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think back, you know, and there's like all these ways we could have grown, say, ZBrush workshops, for example. Um, yeah. But I had my vision, and, you, and that limited its growth. Uh, and so now to the point where, you know, it's basically rolled up into Game Art Institute. And I'm very cognizant of that as we kind of grow and, and build this forward. So um, along those lines, there are several entrepreneurial uh, folks out in the community today. Dynasty Empire, for example. Yeah. Right. Um, what advice do you have for people that are looking to build communities now? Um, and I'll, I'll tell you. The piece of advice Ofer, Ofer is the developer, for those who don't know, the developer of PixLogic. I'll tell you the advice he gave me. He said, don't mm -hmm. do anything that you don't want to do forever. And um, Exactly. You know, because that we were talking very true. ZBrush, works, ZBrush Central, like it, it I mean, they have, uh, that has been a beast. But Ofer believes in that forum, believes in it, and, you know, has had to go through insane amounts of trouble to Correct. keep that going. Um, but anyways, that was his advice. Which, what's your advice for people that are, you know, entrepreneurial about this? Um, my advice would be, I mean, it's a personal opinion again, because uh, mm -hmm. who am I to, yeah, talk about that big stuff. But based on what I experienced and what I've seen uh, around the world, uh, you either make an awesome community that is not going to last forever, so you should be aware of that and you should be able to deal with that. Uh, you're going you're gonna to make an impact for five to 10 years, ideally, and then you're going to die. Or you capitalize the hell out of it and you become what Disney is becoming in entertainment. Mm -hmm. Like basically what uh, ArtStation is these days. ArtStation is a big, proper, capitalized art community, which is good, which is needed. But if you want to tackle ArtStation, you have to be, I don't know, a, a, somebody who can uh, beat ArtStation. Like, I remembered we had CG Hub, and mm -hmm. uh, it was a big deal. CG Hub was the biggest community of uh, digital art out there. Yeah. But again, it fell into the founder trap. As far as I know, um, I don't know what exactly caused the team to fall apart. But um, yeah, that's my advice to the uh, to the. Uh, community leaders of future either go with war with ArtStation, which I don't mean that. I mean go make an awesome big community, or do your thing, which is better actually, because uh, from indie communities you can uh, expect lots of creativity. Like what you're what you're observing uh, that is happening in uh, like the master classes in Paris, you can see people like John Ho, who was a concept designer of the Lord of the Rings series, mm -hmm. which by the way, we had an event back in Iran with too. So he, yeah, you can expect that happen because the, our, the community leader has a vision to bring somebody who has worked on the Lord of the Rings, but is not necessarily that cool, uh, hard surface artist you've seen in your life that has a big name out there. Mm -hmm. So you can expect something from that from uh, from that community in Paris. And if you choose to be a community leader, do your thing, do whatever you're doing, just just 
stick to your vision, but be aware that it's going to probably die. I think um, that's depressing, but uh, <laughs> it's also very interesting because, uh, and I'm, I'm going to reframe this a little bit. Uh, if you look at the story of ArtStation, uh, you have to actually look at the story of the founder, uh, Leonard. Uh, and he's yeah. got a co-founder as well, but um, we'll, I'll just talk about Leonard right now. Um, I remember Leonard yeah. Leonard called me before ArtStation launched, and he was like, "Hey, I'm building this thing, ArtStation. Wanted to see if you wanted to join, and you know, we're kind of like CG Hub, and you know, he had a much better um, pitch than I'm giving right now." And uh, and I remember thinking, ArtStation is kind of a stupid name, right? <laughs> I mean, I'm a, I love it. Now. I love it. I love it now, but I remember back yeah. then I was like, ah, Leonard, I don't, you know, I'm thinking in my mind because there's a part of me that's just a real judgmental asshole. And uh, and I was like, ah, you know, I, this is kind of dumb. I don't know about that. And how are you going to beat CG Hub and, you know, whatnot? But yeah, I mean, I yeah. believe in Leonard. Uh, and then he launches. I don't think, no, he wasn't even ready to launch. The CG Hub shuts down. And so he busts his butt launches within like a week or two weeks of CG hubs shutting down, took advantage of, of that momentum, did an amazing job, serves mm -hmm. the industry in an unbelievably amazing way. They're, yeah, of course. they're awesome to work with. We're actually starting ads with them um, tomorrow, I think, or Friday. And uh, they're great to work with. But he went through two different communities before he built that. Exactly. Was, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's also what part I'm trying of CG to... Channel. Exactly, and he, I mean, I see ArtStation as a as an evolved version of uh, CG Society because it's mm -hmm. like a, a phoenix from the ashes of CG Society. Yeah. So some of those big, not big, but some of those uh, pure and genuine independent communities can, and I think in my opinion, should evolve to a big community like ArtStation. Like what is happening with Trojan Horse uh, in Europe, uh, it is following... Uh, like I see it as an American style of uh, developing a community. So it's mm -hmm. becoming big and it's becoming impactful and I love it. I guess everyone loves it. Uh, so here's the thing. You start by an awesome community. You do your thing. Uh, if you get the chance to evolve it into a bigger one, then go for it. But there are higher chances that you fail. What I'm trying to point out is that your community might survive for, I don't know, at most 15 years. That is that is like the highest thing I can uh, like imagine for a community. Like like look look at all those communities we had. Where are they now? CG Hop, CG Talk. I mean they're there, but the dominant communities are successful because they are uh, doing their thing right. Mm -hmm. Got it. Yeah, which is not a bad thing because I had a community for ten years and. Uh, the sad part of it was that I had to kill it myself, which was very depressing. Yeah, I had to kill it myself because because it had cancer, basically. It was mm -hmm. gradually dying. Social media was taking over, so uh, nobody would uh, go into the website and post artworks because when there's Instagram, why should I post my artwork anywhere else uh, except for ArtStation, for sure. Mm -hmm. But um, so, yeah, even myself as an artist who did, some of this automotive stuff. I wanted to put my artwork in uh, the website I'm managing, the, the community I'm managing. But here's the thing. I used to post it on Instagram first. So there you go. Your website is dead just because of uh, social media. Yep. And then you need to be creative. If you, if you can't come up with the idea that uh, can make your community survive, then uh, it's going to die. And I guess it's a beautiful thing because you, you made an impact. You, you cannot do it for 100 years. And so it's better to do something good for a short time rather than not doing it at all. Yep. Agreed. I love that. This is really cool. Um, so I want to um, move on to the conversation uh, a little bit more about what you do. Um, and then we'll see if there's any questions and kind of wrap up. But uh, this is what you do is very interesting to me. The idea of being a game um, producer, 
one of my one of my first employees, Nate Portner, is actually a producer over at Riot Games now, and um, and I don't think that that job gets enough play, um, in terms of like a, a an awesome job, a really cool way to to work in this industry, and 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 a really important way to to serve games and to serve this art form. Um, so, what does it take to become a game producer? Because uh, there's no so, class on this, right? No, definitely not. And and what makes it even harder is that the definition of game producer changes company to company. Sure. Uh, and so to to answer this question, uh, let me let me rephrase that in my mind. Mm, so first of all, you need to know what is up in the game industry. That's the first thing you need to know. Like, uh, what is the PC game market? What is mobile games market? What are the ways that people are developing games? What are the ways that they are selling their games? Like, what is up with Steam? What is up with uh, the Epic Store? Or if you're making uh, games for mobile, you should have an eye on, like, Apple Arcade that is out there. So you should know what is up, basically, in the game industry. And the mm -hmm. second thing you need to do is to be able to speak the language of uh, your resources. Okay. Like if you if you talk to a game designer, you should be able to use the terminology in the first place. Like, yeah, this is a prototype. This is a mechanic I'm adding. This is a feature I'm adding. This is a bug. You need to know what those things are. And the same thing applies to the game artist. Like you should know what is a concept art. You should know what is a 3D model. You should know what is rigging and uh, you should have a sense of estimating how a 3D work uh, takes, mm -hmm. uh, depending on the project. So if you know those stuff, and ideally a little bit about uh, technical side of game development, which is like, um, I mean, I come from a from art background, so I have uh, no clue uh, what my folks are co uh, coding in the game. Mm -hmm. But um, I used to code a little bit back in the days that uh, I used to, um, I don't know, do fooling around in uh, Flash with action scripts, stuff like that. I have an idea of the technology or how coding works or how you can allocate uh, memory for, for your performance and stuff like that. So if you can be able to talk to your programmer as well, just a little bit, then you, you can just uh, apply for a game producer, I guess. Oh, and you should be good with, good with people. That is very important. You should be um, a social person. And uh, basically, as a producer, you're the hub of the team. So you are a communication manager. So you, you, you should know exactly how to transfer the message from the stockholder who says, yeah, I need this in four months, and I need to promote the hell out of it on YouTube. So when that message comes, you need to take that message talk to your team and see what can you make in four months that can be playable and releasable on a market like Steam. So it's mostly about knowledge and experience, I would say, being a game mm -hmm. producer. But it surely starts with uh, knowing what is up. Well, what qualifies me to even apply for that job? What are they looking for in terms of the, the qualifications? Um, yeah, I think, again, uh, if I want to insist, the skill mm -hmm. of seeing the bigger picture is very important in being a producer. Uh, you're basically the helicopter of the of the team. You should know what everybody's up to. And as a producer, your main job is to make sure that shit doesn't go wrong. That's mm -hmm. basically it. So you should, you should observe everyone's work and make sure that everybody's sticking to the vision, to the schedule, to the budget, and... Uh, ideally succeed at it. Is it is it useful to get in and help in the studios and people develop games, you know, um, to start to prove my chops or no? Of course, yeah, working in a, in a small independent studio is actually better because uh, there are fewer people that you get the chance to uh, meet and be friends with. And if your everyday friends are like three guys, one an amazing artist, one an amazing game designer, and the other an amazing programmer. If you hang out with them, you get to get as much data as you need, which is a great opportunity because if you end up working in a big AAA company, 
you would be responsible for a small team that does something relevantly small. So you would end up not knowing what is up in your own company, which is not very helpful. That's awesome. All right. You've been at this for a while. Any, no, um, I'm, just, I, I'm just saying all this stuff because I'm experiencing as well. I, I mean, my experience could be relevant the other, I don't know, next year, but I try to keep up. Yeah, but I mean, you've been in the industry. You've been in this for a bit. Um, any advice you give people that are thinking about being game artists? Um, specifically speaking about being a and game artist. Or joining artist, this industry? We could just be like just joining the game industry. Because, uh, you know, uh, to preface that, um, you know, it can be kind of a black box if I don't know this industry. And then there's a lot of negative press that comes out of this sometimes from layoffs and things like that. It can be, you know, mm-hmm. there can be some insecurities around this. Oh, yeah. Tell me about it. <laughs> uh, my, <laughs> my advice, <laughs> my, my, uh, yeah, my, my respectful advice would be uh, know what you're getting yourself into, if I want to phrase it in one sentence. Yes. Which means uh, you should be able to separate vision from technique. And in order to do that, uh, you should be an artist who is fully passionate about his job and who knows what he's doing. If you're doing 3D art, 2D art, it doesn't matter. You should do it passionately because if you're not doing that, then it's going to die. Because that's the that's the that's basically the essence of uh, being an artist. And second, try to um, uh, yeah, try to realize the fact that you're entering an industry that is making products that is heavily uh, influenced by technology. And so, don't uh, get bummed out if you have crazy skills, but you're working on a very small indie game. That small indie game can make you rich. Then. That small indie game can like be an awesome product, and then it can provide for your uh, later developments and achievements. Awesome. Uh, that's so cool, man. I really enjoyed this conversation. Thanks for going all those different places with me. Oh, yeah. Thanks for uh, coming with me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Amira Hossein and artstation.com forward slash E-R-F-A-N-I, uh, Irfani. And if you guys need to find them, there you go. And Amir, man, thank you so much again. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a great pleasure and honor. All right. Thanks, guys, for being in here live. For those of you who are, if you um, have any questions for them, feel free to shoot them to me, and I will forward them off. Uh, Have a great day. All right. Thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to this. And I want to ask just two things of you. Number one, make sure to leave a comment or rank this wherever you are listening to it on Apple, uh, Stitcher, Spotify. Really makes a difference in helping us get the word out about this industry and about what we do. Number two, make sure you visit vertexschool.com to learn more about what programs we offer in this area as a creative and for artists who are looking to jumpstart their career and discover a new industry. Again, thank you so much for listening. We're accepting applications right now, so I look forward to hearing from you soon.